Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. So we're back after a week's hiatus where we were um, taking the day to honor what could have been and celebrating the memory of the Seattle Easter eggs last weekend. And honestly, nothing has honestly happened in the last 14 days since we last spoke. Nothing worth talking about anyway. <laughs> no, but even then, nothing happened. It's just the same old garbage. It's always I'm, I'll be the wet blanket then. Okay. Mike Bossy and Gila Fleur, you know. Oh, yeah. Had mm. a great week. No, it it really, 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 really wasn't. Um, you know, especially after the whole kerfuffle of the, you know, he's dead. I'm not dead yet. You know, thing oh, yeah, the, prior. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but you know, anybody, anytime anyone says palliative care, you know, the end is close, right? Right. Because my father went through that too. So. So did mine. Yeah. Yeah. Went through it myself with family. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um. Just, you know, I'll still, I, I know I tease and I know I joke and jest and everything, but Bossy was the greatest goal scorer I have ever seen. Pure goal scoring machine. You know, Ovechkin is a monster. Ovechkin's a freak of nature. But Bossy, wow. You know, the the old, you know, he 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 reveled more in putting it, through the you know and making the goaltender think it went through him than just by placing good shots you know and god you know not a good year for islanders fans clark gillies and bossy and all the rest of the kerfuffle but gee was always interesting to me because i started watching hockey um when Gretzky arrived at the NHL, so that's 79-80 season, right? And Guy was not Guy, you know, not not the not the flower screaming down the wing with the hair and the wind. Um, but you saw flashes of it in those Nordiques. <laughs> you know, so... Yeah. Not a good week. The real flower, as I call him. There can be more than one. Oh, there are multiple flowers, but there's, you know, just something about that that profile, you know, screaming down the wing with the hair, you know. No, no, no lid, no, no helmet, just that blonde hair flowing behind him. Yeah. The, the era of the gray hair, he and, he and Big Bird. (laughs) (laughs) Larry Robinson, you know, looking, looking like Big Bird with an afro is just bad respect to, or mad respect to Larry for that. But. It's like, uh. Owen Power throwback. Kinda, yeah. 
Now, if I might ask a question. No. Um, <laughs> that was a rhetorical question of me asking a question because I'm going to ask the question anyway. Damn it. What the hell happened? I left the Oilers game when it was 2 2. And I was going to ask you the same thing. And came back to find it 5 2 Columbus. Did I think Koskinen, Koskinen, apparently. Huh. Kane, dry saddle, Bjork stand. Okay. I saw the Bjork stand tying goal, and that's when I left to go to the dump. And that's a whole story I'll get into later. Um, wow. Huh. Okay. And shout out to Jack Rosselvick, who popped his 21st goal of the season. Kind of a quiet, good season for him, huh? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. You, you, no, you, you're not replacing Line A, but Line A hasn't also been Line A, so. Oh, okay. That's all my curious questions for the day right now <laughs> that I can think of. You get your quota? <laughs> I've maxed out my brain from sitting behind some lady who unloaded a lifetime's worth of cardboard. <laughs> So, Cassie, you mentioned that she had probably just moved. No, I think they just went through hoarders. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Pat, you had something? No, not really, because it was. <laughs> I, so, I have been trying to avoid some of the somber news and not get caught up in it, but it's been a whole lot of meh. I, I get you. Trust me, I get you. I don't, it's somber, but I also want to celebrate them. You know, I'm glad they're getting yeah. some due, you know. I'm glad they're getting some press with the damned kids today. Um, yeah, you know, I showing. Can... There's enough old timers still in the media that, you know, they're going to do that. Yeah, but they don't. But the guys that are the old timers that are in the media tend to talk about the Gretzky era more than any. Oh, right. Yeah. Those old timers. Yeah. Because the old time they were fortunate enough to be able to retire at some point. Right. Before the downfall of their industry. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So when do playoffs start again? Next week. Is it really next week? Next week. I believe it'll be a little over a week from uh, the time this drops. Wow. Mm. As we're all like, Wow, that seems so soon. And then we check the calendar. It's like May. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I was kind of. Th- <laughs> Thank you, Cassie, for reminding me. Yeah. That's exactly what I was like looking at going, what? Oh, oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's May. Short already. off season. Yeah. Short off season and extra periods of malaise this year. Usually it hits you in January and. Maybe by March, you kind of get back into things. No, that really hasn't happened this season. 
there was a brief, uh, brief period where it's, okay, what sort of crazy numbers are certain individuals going to hit? And then everyone kind of slowed down. It's because the real world intruded and we're all looking around going, yeah, hockey doesn't seem quite so important right now. Thank you, France. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) As I sigh with relief. We can't see your underpants. Um, Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly it. <laughs> My brain just seized up. I had a thought and it was like, yeah, wait a minute. Squirrel? And I can't even blame Squirrel. No. Oh. The NHL will find a way to blame them, but that's just their uh, force of nature. Their force of habit. Their shtick. It's their shtick. Their shtick with an illegal curve. They wish. What is an illegal curve anymore? When was the last time that penalty was called anyway? I think we asked this question. That was like 2009 or something. Yeah. Um, Is that even on the books anymore as a penalty? Oh, it's certainly on the books because they they refuse to remove things. They just write the victims. But the problem being the way blades are manufactured no player can go out of their way to manipulate them, let alone how many of these guys actually know how to control or modify the blade for certain, oh, I don't know, advantages. You know, certainly there's some, there's some quarter-sized hooks for some of these players, but it hasn't helped them for years and years on end, so... Let's go nuts and get rid of a few rules, shall we? Or how about they start calling it in playoffs? Oh, could you imagine? Do you know what kind of hell the Habs caught for doing that? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Okay, okay. <laughs> Let me ask. What? Potentially playoff-bound coach who knows he's on his last stand, let's say, would have the audacity to do that knowing he's probably not getting a job again. No, it would be John Cooper knowing that he is safe and sound in his like position and there's no way in hell anyone's going to fire him anytime soon, no matter what he does. Yeah, but he would try to be too clever and not go for something as simple as that. Don't you think? True. That's true. Yeah. He gets overly creative by trying to be too clever. Yeah, but he is still a lawyer by trade. Mm-hmm. So don't put anything past him. Mm-hmm. So he thinks about I... it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, well, I mean, what is it? I, I read something on Twitter that a third of all of the NHL head coaches are on the last year of their contract. Mm-hmm. Ten coaches. Which, something. should anyone be surprised? Yeah, where are all the extensions on those, huh? Oh, it's, who can I find cheaper to do the same job? Because if you look at the instance of Florida, do they really need a particular coach of a particular brand to make them a fun team or is it just have someone in place not to screw things up 
No, they've. I I firmly believe Florida's got their coach for the next four or five years. Yeah, and it doesn't take anyone, with no disrespect to Andrew Burnett, you just kind of have to know what you're doing and kind of get out of the way. You know, we've said these things before. Exactly. I, 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 uh, we have a butcher that we go to. We absolutely adore our little local butcher. And it really is local. Most of the meat, I think, outside of a uh, couple of cuts of like lamb and stuff are from, you know, local farms and, and such. And I made hamburgers the other night and I didn't do anything to him. A little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper, threw him on the grill, toasted buns, you know. Julie put what she wanted on hers. I put what I wanted on mine. And she wouldn't shut up about him. And I said, what you do is you start with good ingredients and then get the hell out of the way. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of NHL coaching. Yeah. Where in your in your scenario, the only coaching you'd really have to do is just make sure the temperature is right on the grill. And if yeah. there's a problem, you just adjust that. But you don't change the, the, the product that you're yeah. trying to cook. Wait, like, wait, wait. You lost me at adjust. You don't over adjust. No, I, I mean like coaches <laughs> adjust. You lost oh, me there. That that well, doesn't seem like that would happen in the NHL. Oh wait, no, well, it doesn't happen in the NHL. Well, outside of a blender, because that's the, that's their understanding of it, where you just their, change the lines up. But yeah, their their capacity of adjusting, Cassie, is basically you know picking picking the burger up and rotating it ninety degrees to get the grill. You know, <laughs> get they're it all not evenly scorched. <laughs> No, they're just they're looking for that diamond pattern, you know, on the mm. grill marks when you really shouldn't care about that. Mm-hmm. You know, when they should be moving it around more because you've got hot and cold spots and you know, you need to make sure that the temperature, you know, you should be actually adjusting things, not just going and quarter turn or half turn to the left and there's my diamond pattern. I'm brilliant. <laughs> it looks just like a just like a commercial. <laughs> Of which most commercial food isn't edible. Um, okay. Yes, uh, the the line of adjustment, Cassie. Uh, you know the water's edge for NHL coaching adjustments is line blenders. Outside mm. of outside of Peter DeBoer, who is. <clears throat> um, Don't my, mention butchers and Peter DeBoer, because then some agents might. Get some ideas with Photoshop, of course. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he blocked me years ago. I still don't know why. Yeah, you're not missing anything. I didn't really think so. The, uh, wow. Does he just not, does DeBoard just not continue to prove he is useless beyond the first year? <laughs> At any given job, and the and the worst part of it is 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 Vegas wasted that magic first year run because they hired him mid season, right? Mm-hmm. And and they just couldn't get deep enough in the play. You know, you need him there. You need him there for one season, and you need him there for a full season of that one season, and then you fire him at the end of that season because otherwise you've got one direction to go. And it's down from where he brought you to. Now, you see, if you're going to hire a coach for one season to get you as far as you can go, it's not Peter DeBoer. It's Lou Lamorello. 
I, as coach. <laughs> I don't I don't know about that one. He Lou would make the call. He, he set up the Penguins playbook for two of their three cups in the last uh, little over a decade. I mean, he's good at the GM thing. Don't get me wrong, but the times that he's had, to, he's fired coaches and stood behind the bench while trying to sort out the coaching situation. His teams have been fantastic. And again, as I've said before, I'm not sure if that's because he scares the piss out of them or if it's because he's a really good coach or both. (laughs) He might be a fine coach, but he's also, he has his principles, his ideas. But as long as you're doing the simple things that he asks, I think he too will get out of the way. I don't know. Hmm. He's not good for long term, but he is good for short term. I think long term, it's it. He burns players out. I think he's too well, much. And when he has done that, when they have won, it wasn't him in the position of winning. So when he when they won in two thousand, it was Larry Robinson that stood in and and took the team through the playoffs. And then when he, when Pat Burns retired and then Larry Robinson came back, Lou Lamarillo came back like two seasons in a row after the lockout uh, to coach at various points. And maybe one was just a temporary fill-in. I don't remember. I'm just looking at his coaching record at the moment, but it just seems like, yeah, I'll just stand in and not have to hire another guy to do this right now. But you I might be onto something there, Cassie. I'm not going to stand here and take this Robbie Fatorik shaming, okay? <laughs> oh, God, so many New Jersey Devils coaches, so little time. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? He was the one that Lamoureux filed, <laughs> fired with nine games remaining. Mm-hmm. And he just took over the rest of the season. And that's when he brought in Robinson to replace him. So, yeah. Wasn't Larry a, an assistant at that point? Or? Yep. Yeah. His, uh, his uh, probably favorite position outside of... Uh, Defender behind uh, the aforementioned uh, flower. Mm. But Robbie Fatorik, can you tell me how many NHL teams has he coached? Two, isn't it? It's Wasn't it New Jersey and Los Angeles? Cassie, favorite guess? I want to just, like, head coach? You're taking head coach, right? Correct, yes. Okay. I want to just say one. I just want to say the Devils. It was three. Oh. Patrick was correct. He did coach yeah. the LA Kings back in uh, 87, 88, and 88, 89. Yep. He was the first coach Gretz had. Mm. And then he went on to coach the Boston Bruins. Oh, in the early 2000s. Cripes almighty. Did I ever for- obviously forget about that one? Wow. Bobby Fatorik. Yes, he he was in between 
the Pat, end of the Pat Burns era and before Mike Sullivan made his NHL head coaching debut. Hmm. Now, does Mike Sullivan have something in his contract that says he can only coach teams that are that are black and gold? Probably. But here's the funny thing. No, about- no, he's coached Team USA, so that can't be true. Did he really coach them? <laughs> well, I mean, that was his job title. I, I, I can't say for sure otherwise. <laughs> Doing some quick math in my head here. <laughs> Let's see here. One. Uh, yeah, Robbie Fatorik in his three uh, six-year coaching career, he won more games than he lost. How many NHL coaches can say that? Obviously, um, didn't know enough of the right people to like actually balance that back out. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Have a <Right>. longer career. <laughs> I, I I would I would come back this way. What's the minimum games coached? <laughs> Uh, um, the fewest he, he coached in a single season was 82, and that was his first go-round. No, I, I mean in in the career. Yeah, he's talking about your your how many uh, NHL coaches have done that right. in a Cause, career thing. Because that because that's like saying you know this guy has the highest save percentage at 1,000. You know he was yeah. Uh, let, never let it let's goal. just say minimum 400 games coached. Because Fatorik ended with 443. Math is hard. I'd say there's probably a couple dozen, actually. Wait, wait. Can we go? Can we adjust for era? <laughs> I mean, also, I'm sure you can. <laughs> one win in the '80s is worth three <laughs> wins today, Cassie. Something. Uh, is that the model we're using. Uh, Let's not no, 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 no. It, it would be one win in the '90s is worth like three wins in the '80s. <laughs> Oh, so the so it's an inversion model. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I am I am looking at this now. I want to say it's about two dozen. <laughs> okay, so through the one of the few things the internet is still good for um, databases information um regular season only i'm talking here okay i took the top 100 nhl coaches in terms of wins which what did they really do to earn those wins but that's a that's a different story or the same story but we're just going to ignore the rest go on yeah i I think (laughs) i think we've talked about those chapters before and mind you, there have only been, uh, to date, 387 coaches in NHL history. Robbie Fatorik stands 19th all-time in points percentage. Ahead of names uh, like Lane Vigneault, Todd McClellan, Daryl Sutter, Barry Trotz, Dave Tippett. So, so points percentage, is that is that points in the standings? Is that what you're talking that is, about? Uh, that is correct. Pump, pump. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. Go where I think you're going to go, because that's where I was headed. OTLs, baby. Points, you still get, you still got a point for a loss because of overtime losses. I hate when they do that because San Jose got into this thing with Peter DeBoer when they were still in love with him about how he had one of the best point percentages 
of of any of the active coaches or something along those lines and it was like 560 something and when you do the math on the overtime losses yes in you you get a point out of a game you coach well guess what kids it is impossible not to get a point out of a game you coach in today's nhl mm-hmm. so if a brand new coach came in today unless you lose you're always going to be getting a point Losing regulation, I should say. So, yeah. So yes. I will note that Fatorik only had 18 of said points, but he coached during the era of a tie as well. And he had 44 of those. Which is fine. But, but can, you, can you tell me one of it? Just rattle off some coaches' names. Top five all time in uh, overtime and loser points. Loser points? Yes, coaches earning the most loser points and getting way too much credit for them. Oh, Peter DeBoer. 12th on the list with 120. Damn, that was close. Um, Vino? 13th all time with 117. Frack. Um, I'm trying to think. Chats? Mr. Tortorella is. That's what I was going to say. Eighth. No, I said. With, I, I didn't say Trotz. Ding, ding, ding. Number one on the list with 168. Woo! Why do I feel like I'm on Family Feud? <laughs> <laughs> Survey says. Um, God, I'm trying to think of who else. There are a couple other names out there. I'm trying to. Th- Think of who I could throw out there. Uh, now, who's coached in the last, what, 10 years or something? 20 years? Yeah, you're getting warmer there, Cassie. The same guys that are coaching today, Cassie. Um, <laughs> I know. Well, no, I know, but it's like my first thought was uh, um, um, Jacques Lemaire. But then I was like, well, how much did he coach in the two, you know, in the. Oh, century. is uh, is is one a mildly narcissistic head coach who used to coach the Red Wings and then was mildly pro- narcissistic. <laughs> provided a first-class <laughs> ticket to Toronto to foist upon them the the gift that he thinks he is. Yes. Oh, oh, you mean number two on our list, the man who <laughs> coached. 800 fewer games than Barry Trotz, but still ranks number two on this list. Oh my God. Are you serious? Yeah. I am 100% <laughs> serious. Um, I wonder what the split is. I wonder how many of those were in Anaheim. Because Detroit yeah. tended not to lose in overtime. Ah, but Toronto did. So it's probably, I bet the bulk of those came out of Anaheim and Toronto then. So, interestingly, so he only coached in Anaheim for two seasons, and he had 14 yeah. overtime losses. Mind really? you, he also had 19 ties. Oh, that's right, because he split. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, split, he split that time. Okay. In Toronto, in his five years there, 45 overtime losses, which nine a season isn't egregious. That's not bad. In Toronto, 
over 10 seasons, 105. So eh, same trajectory as he went on to do with the Leafs, you know, about 10 a season, nine, 10 a season. But his overall winning percentage, quote unquote, was just a little over 500. Mm-hmm. And also, the other remarkable thing on this list is so many current coast coaches. So we have Trotz, the man who not, shall not be named, Claude Julian, third. That's the other name I was trying to think of, damn it. I yeah, then you have, myself. Then you have Joel Quinville, Lindy Ruff, Peter Laviolette, Dave Tippett, Tortorella, Paul Maurice, Ken Hitchcock, Bruce Boudreau, Peter DeBoer, Lane Vigneault, a bunch of guys who've just been around forever and made it to a thousand games. Sure yep. enough, you're up on this list. Again, this is why I was asking, does no one know about the the, the GM page? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we're talking about the last episode. <laughs> the trade history for GM page on Cap Friendly, which right. I will continue. I, 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 um, <laughs> I, I close that damn window down after looking at Ken Holland. So, <laughs> because it was, honest to God, it was really a case of he didn't make a hell of a lot of bad trades. Which tells me that he made a lot of a lot of bad decisions elsewhere. So mm-hmm. coaches, coaching decisions, coaching decisions, and free agents. Mm-hmm. Now, out of full transparency, Scotty Bowman, ten overtime losses, three hundred and fourteen ties over thirty years. <laughs> That's Play a whole lot tie. of game. Play points. for the tie. Yeah. But he also won more than 1,200 games, or uh, his teams did. So the numbers still lean in his favor. I mean, the whole, the whole thing it, is, and we know this, we all know this, and and it's just astounding to me how overlooked it is within hockey. Actually, it's not astounding to me. I just want to, like, start shaking people. But um, <laughs> is that it all comes down to reputation. Right. And it doesn't matter what the actual numbers say. It it just comes down to whatever the coach's reputation is. It comes down to whatever the player's reputation is. It comes down to the general manager's reputation. It is all about reputation. Oh, what did you hear about this guy? Oh, I trust your opinion. So you're probably right. Oh, this is what I've heard about this guy. You know, I mean, and and they might glance at the numbers, records, um, points, penalty minutes, whatever. But the reality is everybody is, I mean, you know, it's a good old boys network. Nepotism runs rampant. And so everyone's just taking everyone else's word for what this player or what this coach or what this GM has done and isn't actually doing their due diligence and looking up records and looking up articles about them and doing everything that you should be doing, background checks, you know, doing things that you would normally do when you're hiring somebody or, you know, wanting to hire somebody. So these numbers don't mean anything to anyone because nobody looks, nobody cares. They just are relying on what other people have to say. Are they that much though, or do they? I think it's getting. 
better, but I think that in the it's it's still a thing. Is is it is it what other people say or is it what they've experienced themselves? I think it's both. Because you know we always there's always the joke, you know. Um, okay, you know, so and so hired this guy as a, as their general manager. Okay, well, let's look at who he played with in junior in the NHL. That's coaching because there's your next head coach. Right. Um. I mean, in the cases where they're trying to look like it's not nepotism and cronyism, <laughs> they're trying to quote unquote hire outside of the organization kind of thing. Um, then it's word of mouth, I think. I still think it's I still think it's the 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 grapevine. It's somebody in their organization. So yeah, I mean, I, it's it's word of mouth, but it's word of mouth from, you know, the owner or a scout, or you know. Right. I mean, again, but there it's it's still it's still a reputation thing, right? You know, if you sit there and say this guy's, I mean, that's what he who shall not be named this episode. His story is right. Is that everyone thinks he's this amazing coach, even though that he is a complete jerk behind the scenes, and that's why you keep getting the puff pieces periodically of oh, who's going to finally coach or hire him? You know, he, he and I say he, he, he that <laughs> reputation was manufactured by those Anaheim Duck teams mm-hmm. because you know they're playing you know the they were they were quadruple capped right they had the real salary cap they had the salary cap floor and then they had the player salary cap and then they had the actual spending salary cap so you know the 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 myth of him was created by those playoff runs because he was getting so much out of these well no he just got you know he landed on the on the on the lucky charms you know with a certain set of players that worked well together and you know um oh what was the other thing oh yeah had a goaltender that was playing out of his effing mind mm-hmm. and we all know what a hot goalie does right makes every coach look like an effing genius mm-hmm and then what was his next job after that? Oh yeah, he got handed probably two of the best players um offensively and defensively in a generation and then oh yeah, that's right. One of the best defensive players in probably two generations. And all you needed at that point was a goaltender that could stay upright. Yep. But the but the myth kept perpetuating. Right, because nobody looked at the numbers. Nobody did their due diligence. Nobody interviewed the people that were actually being coached by him to see what kind of a coach he really was. Nobody was doing any of that. They were just looking at the mythology going, we want him. Because that would that would require some foresight in any other walk of life outside of hockey. And these men don't work. have it. Yeah, I want to see, I want to see head coaches interviewed like software engineers. I knew that I'd get you, Pat. No one would ever coach it. It'd be wonderful. Why are manhole covers round? Why are manhole covers round? Design an elevator interface. Oh no. Oh. Solve the Hanoi Tower problem. (laughs) 
No, what sort of whiteboard tests could we give to these guys? Oh. Rewrite I to A, an A to I. Can you can you optimize an A to I that's more efficient than what's been in the library for the last forty five years? Yeah, you. Oh, would... and all of them would admit to being able to do it because they all think they can reinvent the wheel. No, they no. All of them would being would admit being able to do it because they've got the cheat sheets from somebody else that told them how it can be done. Right. They're not realizing it doesn't actually work. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Not realizing that they've just introduced regressions and a few bugs. I would love, I would love to see NHL coaches interviewed like that. And have it televised, please. (laughs) (laughs) How do we write a regression and smoke test for NHL coaches? Mm. Now there is a dissertation I'd be willing to read. You know, I've often kicked around about going back and, and getting my doctorate. Hmm, okay. I would like to. But, you know, I'm a sucker for punishment, I guess. <sighs> no, I just, want, I just want it so if anyone ever shouts, is there a doctor in the house? I can go, yes. What seems to be your software problem? You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. What app crashed on you? Um <laughs> Uh, no. No? No. Well, and it rarely happens that somebody actually asks if there's a doctor in the house. And two, it's never a good thing when they do. (laughs) You don't want to be a part of that. That does not. mm -mm. (laughs) Because Lord knows I want to open myself up to liability lawsuits. Um. How would we how would we do a regression test for coaches in the NHL? Should the, how many minutes would you play Cole Caulfield? <laughs> That's a good one. Mm-mm-mm. Um pick have have a um list three players of similar size under under uh Listed under 511 with their stats and ask and, and match names to uh, um, their stats. Oh, so do the whole who would you rather have player A or player B? No, do the okay. So, so here are three current NHL players. Here are their statistics. Name these players. Well, you know, every one of them would just go Braden Point. Um, <clears throat> that's going to be the default answer. Um, you do scenario, right? If you if you had a goaltender return and give up a goal early, would you yank him? Scenario one, your goaltender has been out with injury for a month. He returns and is ready to play. He gives up a goal in the first 10 minutes of the game. Do you pull him? If the answer is yes, you're Peter DeBoer and you're not hired. <laughs> no, no. Uh, this, this, is, this is it. This is what we should be asking is, is just free open test text. Define good defense. 
There's your whiteboard. There's your whiteboard test, Pat. There's the whiteboard test. And in an NHL setting, what what is good defense? What does good defense look like? <laughs> Please design a defensive structure using the whiteboard. You can use any language you're comfortable with. X's and O's, F and D, you know. There you go. Or, or what are what are the uh, yeah multiple choice question? What are um what are what are the ideal attributes for a good goaltender? I don't think it's multiple choice. I no, that's a that's a that's an essay at the end of the exam. Uh, okay. Yeah. 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 All right. That, that's your uh that's your live coding test. <laughs> Where you sit down and have them write, you know, describe your perfect goaltender. Right. And what, and what you need to accomplish that perfect goaltender. Design your test plan for your goaltender. There it is. There you go. Okay. Or, or here's one. You are handed by your general manager six left-handed defenders. How do you deploy them? <laughs> The shorter the answer, the better, people. Are they are they all derived from the same type? <laughs> is there is there an inheritance beyond? Is there any inheritance over or uh, hierarchy other than defensive class? It doesn't matter. It's if if yes. the coach immediately swears in the first sentence, say goodbye to he who shall not be named. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're having too much fun designing <laughs> software head coach interview questions. Oh uh, yeah, you know. You, how would you coach a left-handed defenseman on the right side? <laughs> Anything resembling a real answer is BS, and you cannot take that person seriously. Well, no, it's 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 if they sit there and spend more than five minutes and they haven't written anything down, then check <laughs> them out. <laughs> How do you coach? How do you coach? <laughs> oh, no. Coach. So, so then you have the, you have the, uh, the game scenario. It's like, you're down, you're down by two. You have your backup goalie in because your first, your starting goalie has, uh, let in three goals on five shots in 10 minutes of the first period. Uh, you need the game to win playoffs. What do you do? Did I just break you guys? <laughs> A little bit, yeah. <laughs> so they can't pull the goalie, and oh, they could, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I this move. You are coaching Team USA men's program in the Olympics. How are you going to win gold? Mm. The think pieces that could come out of that. <laughs> well, first of all, I would start by looking at who the general managers were. And then making my decision whether I was going to take that job or not. 
Right. I'd be like, congratulations, um, you are, are hired. Now. <laughs> my options are, um, am I the GM or am I the coach? <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> Any clarification it's on this question? <laughs> because remember, these tests are not only about figuring out how correct your answer is, but actually tracking quality. And when it comes to Team USA in the Olympics, uh, quality, they have some good players, but. Well, they don't pick the players they should. Um, uh, they, they may pick the players they should, but then they don't have a coach who actually coaches. So here's another question. It's the 2022-23 season. We've signed Philip J. Kessel. How do you deploy him? Hmm. Third line right wing, power play one for 60, 70 games. Bounce them up to the second line every once in a while. You know, maybe up to the first to get a little oomph going if things start sliding. But I leave him down there and I let him be. <clears throat> Here's, a, here's another one. You have a second-year player who's coming off of a, a first year that meets expectations, but he is not meeting he is not meeting his his goals from the previous year. What do you do? I put him on the third line with Philip J. Kessel <laughs> <laughs> and move him up and down to the second line as as you know to give him as a little sugar every once in a while. <laughs> Go ahead, keep going, because the answer is always going to be deployment with Phil Kessel. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, um, I, I have a, a bone to pick with my friend, and I can call him a friend, Mr. Um, Jeffrey Merrick. Called him out on Twitter, and I'm going to call him out here, too, because we know someone is listening. The best passers in the league, and Mary Leon Dreisaitl's name is brought up. Are you effing kidding me? Now, I granted everyone's eyes are all, you know, googly and, and you know, Beatles mob-esque over what Mitch Martyr's done, which you can thank me later because <laughs> his tirade on this league started after I ran him down for his contract and the contract thing has actually been coming up recently where people are like, you think he's still not a $10 million player? Yes. I still think he's not a $10 million player because the guys that are better than him aren't getting 10 million. So, <clears throat> but <clears throat> come on, man. I feel like Will Arnett and, <laughs> Interested development. Come on, man. The guy, the guy, you know, the guy with the nine million contract who's, you know, in the Art Ross race and in the in the Maurice Richard race is who's notoriously one of the best passers, if not the best, in the league is not in the top of your list. Come on. East Coast bias. Yeah, but is that generally counteracted by Canadian team bias? Oh, but then you got to throw in. It's East Coast bias overrides 
Canada versus U.S. bias. Because no one wants to stay up to watch the East or the Western teams. And then Toronto bias supersedes everything. 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 It's all about Toronto. And yes, again, ladies and gentlemen, I will say here and I will continue to say it. Mitch Marner is not a $10 million a year player. I'm glad you think you're getting your money's worth. Hashtag for now. (laughs) And watch him go off on another tear because I've outed him again. Hi, Mitch. Hugs and kisses. Loves to your puppy dog. Mm -hmm. It's not personal, it's business. Sure, you're a nice individual off the ice, but we're not talking about that right now. Nope. Okay. Let me let me ask this question. We have definitively stated that Marner is not a ten million dollar forward. We can also definitively say that uh, Leon Dreisaitl is severely underpaid. Mm. What? Mm. <laughs> um. Oh, <laughs> The the types of questions we would ask coaches about centers and how, how much they love their their pet centers and they would get all those questions wrong. Um, they're in demand the most. How much is uh, Johnny Gautreaux going to be paid come next season? Because he currently leads the league in primary assists at five on five. And I, I think that's a good thing. If it were if it were twenty years ago, it'd be a good thing. At this point, no one cares about assists; they only care about goals. No, I think that narrative lately is really starting to drive me nuts too. Um, you know, yes, goals count for more, but they don't count for exponentially more. You know, mm-hmm. I just someone has ha- to put it in. To get the right, you know, so you're you're devaluing playmakers by just focusing on goal scorers. You're de- that, and you know who puts goal scorers in positions to score. I mean, other than McDavid, who puts himself in a position to score, you know. So anybody that gets primary assist on the McDavid goal is generally, you know, the guy that just passed him the puck from his own blue line, and McDavid did all the rest. Um, and I yes, I am including dry subtle in that case, unless it's on the power play, because those two are just stupid on the power play. Um, yeah. You know, you put yourself in a position that you make yourself available to a player on your team to put you to get you the puck so that you can advance forward and get yourself in a better position to score, or if you're not in already a good position to score and you happen to score. Yes, you are a good shooter. But the end result is not exponentially worth more than the result prior. Think of, you know, I always go back to think of seconds from disaster. Without a chain of events, the event doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So if the past does not get to you to put, yourself in a, to, to put yourself in a position to score that goal, the goal doesn't happen. And you look at some of the passes these guys make in zone. You know, I'm just... We had a, a, a friend of mine and I came up with a whole series of our own fancy stats called the Asbos. 
um, <laughs> the anti-stats behavioral order disorder. Um, <laughs> and one of them was the pikey, you know, and it's a, it's a very British English term, you know, a pikey is kind of a, 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 a lout type thing, but it's passing in key scenarios. And key scenarios are offensive zone below the top of the circles, right? Those are kind of key scenarios to, to how, how accurate you are in passing. You know, what's your ability to pass the puck into those areas? And that to me is money. And that's where that's where Goudreau lives. Mm-hmm. Goudreau lives, you know, sort of on that half board, kind of down low. You know, he's he's not going to be the, you know, the the prototypical guy that goes in and, you know, pins pins a D player on the board and you know, ferrets the puck out. He's going to be the guy that gets the puck after it's ferreted out in open space and find someone that's open in that pikey. Oh, unless so, we forget, he's also hit 39 goals, too. So he can do right, both. Right. So in a long, allegorical, analogous, rambling Patrick way, when I'm, I guess what I'm saying is he's probably he'll probably get nine and a half. And the only reason I don't think he's going to get 10 is because the cap didn't go up enough. He's now, getting that say, for those goals. He's not getting that for the assists, though. No, he's getting that. He's getting that for who he is, which is a playmaker who can also score. And oh dear God, there is a direct TV commercial with Ken Griffey Jr. or Randy Johnson in it, dressed as Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Uh oh. <laughs> Excuse me, while 1995 Patrick squeeze. <laughs> Because I don't uh, like I don't like baseball anymore, but I still will always have a soft place in my heart for those two in the Mariners days. No, Griffey's okay. always been funny. Anyway, go on. Anyway, sorry. So, I, I I think the goal the whole goal narrative is media driven right now. I think GMs and management chains are still going to play pay players who put up points. And and the man and the agents for those guys are going to try and squeeze a little bit more for goals, you know. Well, this guy's a finisher, you know. This guy's a finisher. I think nine and a half. You know, if it's eight years, if he stays with Calgary, it's probably nine over eight. If he moves, it's probably nine and a half over seven. And the question is, is where would he even go? Well, he won't go there, but my goodness, he would look great on Maddie Benier's wing, wouldn't he? No. I'll be <laughs> no. No. I'll be honest Interesting. with you. No. no, I don't. I think Maddie Benier's is a self service portal. Mm. Okay. So here was my thinking. I, 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 th- I think I think Maddie Beniers is I think Johnny Goudreau and Maddie Beniers are too similar in archetype of players. You might be right there. But using your description of 
Goudreau great down low and off the half wall, and Benier slowly showing us thus far in his very limited NHL career, he moves around all over the place. Yes. And so Goudreau with the puck on a half wall while Beniers is cycling up high, trying to find space into the slot. While Goudreau pulls the defender away with someone else, you know, being net front. I see the potential there, but there is only one puck. So I, I could see it going either of two ways. I, I would think that that would work out better as Goudreau being a mentor on the second line. So Bernier stays on the first line, Goudreau on the second line. They don't play together unless it's a power play situation, maybe, um, or overtime, perhaps. But uh, I could see Goudreau doing the whole, let me show you how this works, kid, kind of thing, rather than let me set you up. If Johnny Goudreau was a center, I'd do it in a heartbeat, because then Jordan Everly would have a running buddy. And yeah. that's, you know, we have seen this season what Eberly without Barzal is and what Barzal without Eberly is, right? Those two are a symbiotic relationship. They literally need each other. Eberly has suffered because he's got nobody to creatively get him the puck to finish. So, again, I'm going to say, here's that primary assist guy, right? Beniers yeah. can do that, but Goudreau can do it better. Mm-hmm. And Eberly is is tricksy enough, you know. He is he is an underrated playmaker. You know, he's made some beauties this year to put other Kraken players in positions. You know, that he can pass. He doesn't need to do it that often, but he can. And that's where you get Goudreau's thirty nine goals, right? Those that would be a fantastic combination because they're dissimilar enough in key areas. I think Beniers and Goudreau are just a little too close to each other. And like you said, Pat, you know, there is only one puck. And, you know, that was always the problem that Joe Thornton had because the power play in San Jose, Brent Burns getting there was not nearly as... No, I want to back up and correct that. The power play prior to Brent Burns getting there in San Jose was far more creative than it was post-Brent Burns getting there. Because you had one guy who wanted the puck on the half boards to make ridiculous passes and set everyone up, and you had another guy who wanted the puck to go make ridiculous plays and score a goal. And one is much more beneficial than the other. Right. And the reason that their power play was so successful is because they had the third, they added the third heat, which was so contrary to that first two that it, it became 19 to 88, 88 shoots. And who's in front of the neck to tip the puck eight, <laughs> you know, so Brett Burns could just fire like no one's business. Cause he knew he had someone in front of the net who was a world-class tipper. So there goes, you know, so I'm going to get I'm going to get points that way rather than just firing it at the net and hoping on a scramble. But anyway, I don't know why I always devolve to San Jose as a comparison, as a comparative model. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. I don't know where Benier, I don't know where Goudreau would go 
I mean, I hate to say it, but he would be a good fit in New Jersey. I see. I don't think so. They've already got a Johnny Grugeau. His name is Jack Hughes. Well, that's a problem. Jack Hughes is playing out of position. I don't think he is. Uh, his skill set can work in the middle. So what New I Jersey really should be looking for is another center, not another winger. Yeah, but they don't know what to do with center. See, Zaka, comma, Pavel. <sighs> also, they need a new coach as well. So, Who doesn't? <laughs> you could probably count on, on one hand who doesn't need a new coach at this point. <laughs> well, they need a, one fewer coach and one new person who stands in the middle. Let me phrase it like that. Who doesn't need a new head? I'd say the LA Kings don't need a new head coach. I would say that's fair. Yeah. I I would also scream that the Calgary Flames probably don't. At least yeah. not yet. I would say they've got at least three more years with Sutter. He's, you know, everyone thinks that he burns himself out quickly. I think he burns himself out more than anything. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he didn't really want to leave Los Angeles. But what can you do when your best players aren't your best players anymore? Right. <clears throat> Who else doesn't need a new head coach? <laughs> I mean, we said Florida. Yeah, Andrew Burnett's not shown me anything that he doesn't deserve to be there. I would... Oh, God, this is... I'll just cover my ears now. I would say Tampa and wait for Cassie's <laughs> tirade. No comment. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, I'd say Edmonton right now. Woodcroft's done fantastic. Which is funny because he's just a McClellan clone because he worked with Todd all those years. And I was going to say, I, I haven't worked there. <laughs> yet, well I guess played. I should say yet. <laughs> well, well played. Okay. Okay. I... <laughs> Uh, we're done are you saying we're yeah done right now? yeah <laughs> yep all right we're done here now i just you know if it wasn't on a on a headset boom i would literally mic drop and walk away at this point for you cassie <laughs> uh, welcome. Just, it's been the 3v3 podcast follow us on twitter at 3v3 podcast we're available for nhl consulting at reasonable fees